Hey. The Lord is good. And all the time. Wow, it's so beautiful to be back here again and see all of you happy, smiling, and looking good, except me, okay? <laughs> yeah, how many are happy to be in the house of the Lord? How many are not happy to be in the house of the Lord? How many don't know? Yeah? Thank you very much. I appreciate your time and being here. So uh, I think uh, this is my second time being here. How many remember me? How many were here last time I was here? Well, half of you are here, half are not here. So I can repeat that same someone. Cindy? Cindy? <laughs> it will make my work very easy. Okay, so uh, as... Uh, Yeah, as you've been told, my name is Java Nokelo, and I fellowship at New Life SDA, that is Ngong Fifth Avenue, Nairobi, and uh, I'm privileged to be here with my lovely wife. Please uh, stand up and wave at the congregation. You remember her? Yeah, those who know, know we met in high school when we were in Form 1. <laughs> no, but we, we, let, we started dating like several years later, sir. So, if you don't, Switch off your phone to Acho, eh? <laughs> Just pray to God. He can still deliver you somehow, okay? So, uh, I also have friends here. I have my friend Katana. Please wave at the congregation. Yeah, I have my friend Elijah Bull. Are you here? Elijah, am I finished? He's in town campus, okay. I was expecting a niece here. Beryl, are you around? Beryl? Uh, she almost came or Maybe she stood outside. Okay, thank you very much. So, uh, two weeks ago, your elder o Owaga, where is he? Yeah, thank you for extending the invitation. He told me to be here today to share with you on uh, this Sabbath. And, uh, you know, when we preachers, we are given, we are invited, we are given the topic, the theme, and all that stuff. By the way, last time I was here, my name was written as Pastor Java Nokelo. And then today, I saw it written as Elder Java Nokelo. I'm neither an elder nor a pastor, okay? So call me Uncle Javan. That's the name I like. Okay? <laughs> yeah, because I'm an uncle to most of you, I think, if not all of you, because of my age, I should be an uncle to several of you. I have nieces who are your age. Yeah. So the service call came, and I was told to discuss something about relationship with God in light of Christian behavior. Like, how do we, as children of God, relate with God? And then we also told to talk about our relationship with fellow human beings. How do we relate as brothers and sisters? And then the third deliverable objective of this sharing, as highly clarified by the service call, was that how do we glorify God in whatever we do? And then the fourth one was hope for the heartbroken. Among this topic, Twanza Nagani, hope. <laughs> amen, amen. Hope for the Heartbroken. Hey, can you match your evil? Okay, so, uh, so on that, it's now, it's now, it's now, what's the time? It's 22 minutes past noon. And I traveled all day from Homa Bay County, passing through Nyamira County, Kericho County. To Nakuru County. So how many hours are you giving me to preach? Yeah? How many hours? 
order members. How many hours? So what time should we stop? Because it's one. It's only a 40 minutes. Hey, uh, sir. <laughs> okay. Shall we pray? Almighty God, once again we gather before thee because we are your children. We are grateful that you've never left us. You are faithful and reliable, Lord. I pray that this hour you may come down in the person of the Holy Spirit and teach us together that we may be strengthened in Jesus' name. There's an author I love quoting a lot. That is Ellen G. White. And in one of her writings, she refers to the book of Hebrews 2.17. And in her commentary, she says that the elder brother of our race is by the eternal throne. The elder brother of our race is by the eternal throne. He looks upon every soul who is turning his face towards him as the Savior. He knows by experience what are the weaknesses of humanity. What are our wants and where lies the strength of our temptation? He is watching over you, trembling child of God. Are you tempted? He will deliver. Are you weak? He will strengthen. Are you ignorant? He will enlighten. Are you wounded? He will heal. Amen? The elder brother of our race is by the eternal throne. And he is looking keenly upward to see who are they that are striving to overcome sin, that are trying to obey him, that are ready to listen to him. And he's saying, he will do what? Strengthen you. To those children of God who've been working for God the whole week, the whole time, the book of Isaiah 3 verse 10, what does it say? Say ye to the righteous, it shall be well with them. They shall eat the fruit of their labor. Isaiah 3 verse. So you may think that it's been in vain serving God. Now it, there's exam. In fact, I'm surprised that there's exams on Monday and this hall is this full. This is commendable. May God bless you for this. And this will not be in vain. Hebrews 6 verse 10, it says, God is not unrighteous that he should forget your labor of love. As you are serving deacon, as you are singing the choir, as you are arranging the chairs, as you are witnessing to your roommates, as you are talking to your classmates about the love of God, God is not unrighteous that he should forget your labor of love. So I've heard your request for the hope for the unbroken. I'd prepare to have that in the afternoon. So please come back in the afternoon so that we, we can see what are these heartbreaks and how. I don't promise to mend broken hearts, but I know someone who can give you a new heart. Okay? I know someone who's gone through what you've gone through and has become victorious. And that's the person we talk about in the afternoon. But for this morning, based on the first three objectives, we shall discuss under the sermon title, The Discipline of Distinction. Tell your neighbor the discipline of distinction. The discipline of distinction. Yes. So, we are going to look at, uh, under the overarching theme of the discipline of distinction, we look at what is the basis of broken relationships? Why do we break up with God? What normally happens that we forget our first love and somehow we no longer trust God as we used to? And what is the basis of breakup even among friends? What is it? What is the common denominator when relationships go south or when things don't work? What, are the, what normally happens? 
and we'll discuss the two things that are key ingredients for each and every broken relationship. Whether it is the family, whether it is the relationship here, campus, up at Pitangi graduation square, ama, ama, it's any other relationship in life, whether it's between political parties, anything. There are only two things that are key components or ingredients. So we look at that. Then the second thing we'll discuss is the role of discipline. What does it take to make it in relationship or in life? And we are going to see that it takes stern discipline. And we are going to define what is this discipline and how do we get it? Then we are now going to narrow down to a specific discipline that will tell us on how to best serve God. It's called the discipline of distinction. We are going to look at what is distinction. Yeah. After looking at distinction, we are going to look at the need for distinction. Why is it that you as a young person, live alone even as a Christian, as a young person, you need distinction? Which other people can say excellence or perfecting what you are good at or making better, bettering your, your best? What is, what, why do you need that? Because that has an implication on your relationship. Did you know that? That that is directly linked to the quality of your relationship, whether with God or with fellow men. Then we are going also to look at the dangers of distinction. You can stand high, you can achieve all that, but does it mean you are safe? No. And then finally we'll end up by looking at the icon of distinction. And so I told you before that at the basis of every broken relationship, two things occur. Who can guess? Two things that are always there whenever anything goes wrong, two ingredients are involved. Who can guess? Yeah? Hey. Hey, you look smart. Can you guess that? <laughs> what, what? Can you guess? Eh? Hatred, yes. Good, hatred. Yeah, hatred is a deep component. What else? Some now lady who is also looking smart. Yes, yes. No, you're not a lady, but you look smart. You can still say. <laughs> Disagreement. Great. All answers are correct. But now, if you look at now the core, we find two things. If you have a pen, you can write down. One is called pride. The other one, selfishness. Those two things, when you look at each and every relationship you've had a problem with, whether it's in your family, whether it's your boyfriend, your girlfriend, your whatever happened, any form of relationship, pride or selfishness. So let us define what's pride. So pride is an unreasonable overestimation of one's superiority. You overestimate your own superiority in talents. Underline this, in talents, eh? in beauty, wealth, or rank. Overestimation of your superiority in talents, beauty, wealth, or rank, which manifests itself in lofty airs. Eh? Distance and reserve, and often contempt for others. Those constitute what we call pride. So pride is consciousness of power. You are aware of who you are, and you want to let people know that you have arrived. You are the one pride. And we are going to see how it manifests in relationship, and how in the end it ends in tears. Second thing is selfishness. Selfishness means holding one's own interest, like your own interest, as the standard for decision-making. Holding your own interest as the standard for decision-making. 
you have regard for yourself above other people's well-being. So it doesn't matter what the rest are feeling. So long as it serves you right, that thing is right. Selfishness. Two things. What are they? My friend at the back, the one in a brilliant yellow t-shirt. What are they? I can almost tell you. But it is pride and selfishness. These are the two things that at the basis of every broken relationship, this to occur. Let's turn our Bibles to the book of James chapter 4 verse 1 to 3. So that we see how selfishness manifests. Even in church, elders cancel, choir cancel, music cancel. We want to invite this group. No, no. What is it that is placed there? James 4, verse 1 to 3. Yes, it says. Yes. Amen. So what causes fight among you? Don't they come from the desires of your heart? So and so wants this. Another person wants that. You want something but you don't get it. So what do you do? You are angry. You are mad. You accuse the other person. You blame them. Eh? You kill and covert. He talked about hatred. Jesus says if you hate somebody in your heart you are like a murderer. So James Pitley says you hate and you kill and covert. You quarrel and fight. Yeah. Why? Because of selfishness. It is my way or no way. Ladies, have you ever dated a guy who just wants things his way or no way? How does it feel? Mm, you know, I want you to dress like this. I want you to eat like this. I want you to sit like this. I want you to do like this. The moment you don't do that, I won't say hi to you or I won't need I treat you like a stranger if you don't do all those. You've heard that? It's, it's annoying, yeah? It's <laughs> sorry, sorry, guys. <laughs> or, 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 lady, or gents, have you dated a lady who it's her way or no way. Yeah? It's her way or? Then you guys are lucky. The ladies here are good. Eh? <laughs> Please marry them soon. <laughs> yeah. So that thing strains relationship because it does not give you a chance to be yourself and to love out of love's sake. So that instead of submitting, you are merely complying. There's a difference between submission and compliance. Submission means you are convinced, you respect, and you allow yourself to obey. But compliance means if I don't do this, there are consequences. When you go to prison, they obey all the rules. That is compliance because they know if they don't, they'll be beaten. You're in high school, you comply to all the school rules. It doesn't mean you love the school or the head teacher. It has nothing to do with that. Is that you don't want to be expelled, yeah? Yeah. So there's a difference between submission, obedience, and compliance. Okay. Let's turn to the book of Isaiah 14, verse 12. This is an Adventist chapter that everyone knows. So that we see the role of pride in breaking and straining relationships. Pride. Isaiah 14, verse 12. What does it say? Yes. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Amen. It says, how are you fallen from heaven? Oh, Lucifer, son of the morning. It is pride that made Satan to fall, what? From heaven. And then verse 13 says, you have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. Eh? I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. 
I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. This is verse 13. You know, when you read this with an understanding of prophecy, you will hear exactly what Satan was saying. He's saying, I will ascend into heaven. Then I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. Whenever you hear the stars of God, those most likely angels or the servants of God. And then I will also sit upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. Whenever you see things on the sides of the north, we are reminded of the time the Israelites were in the wilderness and they built to God a sanctuary and Mount Sinai was on the north. And so what Satan is saying is, you know, Mount Sinai was the point of give, where they got the law from. Eh? So he's saying that he wants to be the lawgiver. He wants to be the ultimate decision maker of heaven. It is him. I, 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 I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. When you see clouds in the prophecy, those are angels. Eh? He comes with the great clouds descending. Eh? Those are angels. So Satan wants to be above the height of the cloud. I will be like the most high price. And what happened? He was thrown down. That was the first time the woman saw that the tree was good for food, a tree to be desired to make one wise. She took of it and did eat. And she gave unto the husband with her, and he did eat. Like, what Satan did was to make Adam to covet or to desire things that were not intended for them. And by that, partake in his pride, and so they would perish together. By the way, if there's one thing that God does not know how to tolerate, it's pride. He's gracious, he's long-suffering, he's loving. But I've read the Bible, and any situation where anybody was destroyed, when you read the reason for the destruction, it was all pride. Do we agree? Sodom and Gomorrah was destroyed because of pride, idleness, and abundance of Bread. Which book is that? Check Ezekiel 16, verse 49. Correct. Pride, abundance of bread, fullness of bread, and idleness were the sins of Sodom and Gomorrah. That's why God destroyed them. Babylon, why did it fall, Nebuchadnezzar? Why did it fall? Pride. Yeah? Why, why, why did uh, the ground open up and swallowed Korab, Datham, and all those people? Why? God tells, Moses tells, they, they, they start accusing Moses that, look, you've taken power over yourself. Kwani only your brother can be a, a priest. Sisi unatona atuwezifanya kazi, hata sisi ni malevites. And so Moses tells them, you guys come so that we reason to this together. Then they tell Moses, we will not come. Rosaf, you are not coming. What did God do? The ground opened and swallowed them. Pride is dangerous. When you check the book of, I think, James 4, verse 6, it says that God opposes the proud but gives grace to the, to the humble. God opposes the proud. But you know the sad thing about pride? That when you're proud, you don't know that you're proud. Did you know that? In eternity, it's a blind spot. I could be preaching about pride, but I'm a very proud guy on the pulpit here, and I don't know. And only you can see it. Yeah? You can be a very proud mus musician here, and you know nothing about it, but the people who watch you, they know. Because pride is, it has a way of making you not see until when someone challenges it, that's when it comes to defend itself. Yeah. So it's, it's a very interesting uh, trait. So uh, John Maxwell, one of the leading Christian authors, says that pride can also mean conceit, arrogance, or superiority. This kind of pride is based on self-centeredness, and it is destructive. Selfish pride is especially destructive to relationships. 
That's because the opposite of loving others is not hating them. The opposite of not loving others, the opposite of loving others is not hating them, but rather being self-centered. That's the opposite of loving others. Does that make sense? Does it make sense? Ongapu wamepotea? Nipunge tu mkono kama niwepota. Kama wamepota. Wamepotea. So let me repeat. <laughs> the opposite of loving others is not hating them, but rather being self-centered. So we have these things. We have love. We have hate. And in between love and hate, there's something called indifference. Indifference is a situation whereby you don't care about anything or about that person. You know, hate is active. Eh? Indifference is a passive form of hatred. You don't want to waste your energy hating them. So you treat them like they are dead. They don't exist. You don't care about them. Others say you don't give a what? You don't give whatever you don't give. Eh? <laughs> okay. So, so, so they, that, that is indifference. Others call it apathy. Yeah. Those who went to group of school call it insouciance or nonchalance. Apathy, indifference, you don't care yeah, about it. So the opposite of love is not hatred. It is indifference. Has someone treated you with indifference? Unampigia shikisimu. Unatuma text and I ignore. They don't want to talk. They're giving cold word treatment. They're giving you a test of indifference. Not that they hate you. They're just giving you a test of what? Indifference. And that strains relationships. So we'll take some minutes to look at what are the symptoms of pride so that when you go about your businesses, you know you have them. I'm not telling you to look at your neighbor. This is about you. This someone is about you and me. So don't look at the next person about it. Oh, he did this or she did this. No. Number one symptom of pride is fault finding. Fault finding. Fault finding. Unatafutia watu makosa. So what pride does is that it makes you not to see your mistakes and also makes you not to see the good of others. So while it blinds you to your mistakes and weaknesses and limitations, it opens your eyes to the limitations and weaknesses of others. So you easily find fault. You, 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 fault finding. Two, Equivalent to fault finding is a harsh spirit. You know these people who can, they, they can cut into pieces. Eh? It, it, it's called weathering sarcasm. Eh? They give you witty jokes. Like, let, let me say, the, the, the best one I had was uh, this lady who had a relationship with this guy. And then this guy was behaving the bias. Then he told him, but by the way, it's over between me and you. And this guy, being the proud guy he was, told her, thank you for setting on fire a house that was bound for demolition. And saving someone the disgusting job of bringing it down. And he went. How do you think that person felt? Crashes, eh? Harsh spirit. Proud people can crush you and they feel nothing. But they don't expect that everybody has a heart of flesh. Some have a wooden heart in a mahogany chest. <laughs> they don't feel a thing. They don't feel. They, they can cheat on you and insult you at the same time and go away. And you pray that something bad happens and it doesn't happen soon. And life goes on. So, another symptom of pride is superficiality. When you are more concerned with what people think of you or your reputation than your character. So, you are more concerned with others' perception of us than the reality of our hearts. 
So another aspect of superficiality is that we fight public sins eh, so that they're not seen. But those sins that people cannot see, we're okay doing them. Why? Because you are more concerned on reputation than on character. Are you together? So while we are condemning the people who may be conceived in the course of the semester, we are privately watching pornography. Because nobody knows when you are watching porn, but people see the other ladies pregnant, so we condemn that one. But our private ones, we don't want to nini. We don't talk about. That is a component of pride. So look at your life. Are you fault-finding? Are you harsh in spirit, like expressing sympathy is difficult or trying to understand why somebody is struggling is a challenge. You don't put yourself in the situation. Or are you superficial? You're only concerned with the optics. What can people see? What is the outside? Eh? But deep down you are rotten and you know it and it does not bother you. You know what you do in private? How you can cheat in exams when there's no CCTV? Or when, uh, you know one lecturer sometimes did an experiment. He bought those clocks that have a camera in and put up there. And then he set his phone to ring at a specific time. Then when the phone rang, he told the students that, please, can I trust you? This is a very urgent call from my wife. So please, I'm going away. But please don't cheat. I'll be back. When he stepped out of the door, what do you think happened? Everyone opened a book. And they left. Then he came back, actually, 30 minutes later. And said, uh, okay, so bring back your papers. Thank you for being good boys and girls. After that, he picks from the clock. He moves the USB, puts on the laptop and shows the students. What do you think happened? <laughs> the dangers of superficiality. When you do things for the optics so that you are not seen by people. But the things that matter. The thing is, all those students were cheats, but they never had an opportunity to cheat. You know, you know the difference between what you think and what you do is the opportunity. This, that's the difference. When, you, when they got opportunity to cheat, they cheated thoroughly. So some of us, we... We, 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 we just, we don't want to be seen. Like, I remember there was a day Pastor Anderskit was in town and then he was preaching about Africans and witchcraft. And he told everybody who's ever been involved in witchcraft to come forward. He prays for them. And then Mamugina Kambia, Azime Azime Ta. Like, So we do things for the what? For the light, pride, superficiality. The fourth component of pride, defensiveness. Defensiveness. You tell somebody, by the way, they are too defensive, they will not listen. And, and you see, true humility is not knocked off balance by accusation. By the way, how many of you have ever been accused falsely? Now, Kaimeza, like, you've been accused falsely. Yeah, that feeling is, I know, I know it, huh? especially when you're young and you're growing up among children, and then maybe you. One brother maybe stole some sugar, and then now the mama now is a nani aliba sukari, and then they, they all vote and agree to you. And then you are being beaten for it, and this time around you did not do it. Do you know how sad it feels? Imagine Christ was falsely accused, yeah, and he did not defend himself. When you read the book of Isaiah 53, from verse around, around 7, it says he was taken from prison and to, to the hall, and I, like a sheep to the share is damp, he opened not his mouth. Do you know what it takes to keep quiet when you are being accused falsely? Too much humility, too much strength. People who are defensive have defense, they, they have a weak spot they are protecting. It shows they have a very fragile ego or something so fragile in them that must always be defended. And that thing 
is a form of pride. So if you know you are defensive, unambiwa by the nani? kutushinda. You are always argumentative. And that is a form of pride. If you are doing that, it will mess you in your relationship now and in the future. It will mess you at your workplace. You know, some bosses nowadays, they don't give orders. They say, oh, uh, Nani John, do you think we can do this thing like this, like this? No, boss. I think that thing must be done this way. You don't know he was giving instruction. He was not requesting. He was actually giving you instruction. He was telling you, do it this way. You know, by saying you, do you, would you like to do it like this? He's not suggesting. <laughs> He's just being nice. Don't take that chance to, 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 to be the opposition leader. <laughs> and, and to start telling him how your idea is the best. He knows what he's telling you about. Eh? Yeah, defensiveness. The next sim symptom of pride. We've talked about fault finding. We've talked about harsh spirit. We've talked about superficiality, just looking for the optics. Defensiveness, number four. Number five, desperation for attention. Ye kama anaimba lazima voice yake ndisikike. Yaani hata kama ana microphone utasikia huyo ni jena anaimba. Yeah? Ama like they have to be seen. Like pride is hungry for attention, respect, worship in all its form. Pride. I heard of a story of this lady who broke up with a boyfriend. Why? That boy, I spend a lot of money to make my hair and he doesn't even recognize it. Like, if she went to the salon and did hire and you failed to notice, you are being dumped. Yeah? Pride, like her pride could not tolerate any lack of what? Attention. Pride is, is hungry for attention. Check. So, another form of hungry for attention is people who can't say no. They want to please everyone. Yeah? They can't, they can't tolerate people saying anything negative about them. So, naombia fanya anafanya everything. He's the head deacon, he's the choir director, he's the child elder, he's the one mopping, he's the collecting, he's everything. I can't focus on his academics. Why? Because he can't stand to say no because people will think he's a bad person. Let me tell you, young friends, boundaries are necessary. Yeah? Boundaries are necessary. And sometimes you need to say no. Not every opportunity is up for grabs. Pick the best. Okay? Know where your talents lie and focus on that. You can't be everything. No, I also recognize that people are multi-talented. They can do so many things. But if you know you are not that person, don't kill yourself trying to please what? Everyone. People pleasing is a, a silent, a passive form of pride. Mm. Then, desperation for attention can also manifest itself in uh, being, obsessively, being obsessive about something. You are always thinking about... Uh, Maybe you want, you want to marry the best person, so you're always fantasizing about this person. There's that desperate need for what? For marriage or something. For that big house or for that big job. You, you can't focus on anything else. Why? Because you want that attention that comes with owning that thing. So pride is hungry to be adored or to be manifested. It is hunger for attention that makes us always have issues with dress and adornment in church. Hello? Okay. <laughs> it, it is pride that brings an issue with us on issue of dress and adornment. Because a proud person wants to be seen. And if this dress can make me be more visible than so and so, then I'll wear it. It's why some people go wearing a suit worth 500,000 so that they're the only ones having that suit. It's called, it, 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 there's a name for it. Is it bespoke or 
like just designed for him. Only no one else should wear that suit. There are people wakikona na kiatu they like they they bought a specific shoe and they see that shoe they donate so that they buy one you can't afford. Why? Because attention they they, they want the limelight for for themselves. That is a manifestation of pride. The second last one is neglecting others. Check. Neglecting the next attribute of pride is neglect for others. Pride prefers some people over others. It honors those who the world deems worthy of honor, giving more weight to their words, their wants, and their needs. So when you realize that you are, you realize you can only hang out with so-and-so. I'm not saying that you choose bad company, but among the good people of church, we also have classes, isn't you? There are people who they can't talk with. Oh, so-and-so. No, nani can't nini with so-and-so. Neglecting others. Someone has a good... So, pride can also manifest itself in neglect for others. You can only talk to so-and-so. Eat at such a such a place. Being a shop at such a such a place. I'm not saying that there are no health and safety standards based on how God has put you, but the way you relate with others should show that you recognize and you respect everyone despite of their tribe, religion, socioeconomic background, looks, financial status, and all that. Treat all human beings as children of God. Remember, this someone is about me, not about my neighbor, okay? It's about me. And finally, one of the other symptoms of pride is presumption before God. Jesus tells in the book of Luke 8, 11 of this Pharisee who stood and even manifested pride in prayer. God I'm not like other publicans, extortioners, and just adulterers. I fast twice a day, a week. Yeah, I give a tenth of all my offering. Did you know that in that statement there was all pride? It was all about himself. And so pride is a serious strainer of relationship. Whenever things have gone wrong, two things are involved. Pride and selfishness. So before you start of having relationship with anyone, ask yourself, whether you are ready to surrender yourself and whether you are ready to lay down pride. Sister White says that all sin is selfishness. All sin. Like, look at every sin you ever committed. You realize it was anchored on selfishness. Why did I break the Sabbath? Because I wanted to study for the exams. Why study for the exams? So that I can pass. So I pass so that I can get a good job. You know, it's all about you, selfishness. So, why did you steal money so that I can buy a better laptop for myself? It's all about all sin is selfishness. Satan's first sin was a manifestation of selfishness. He sought to grasp power to exalt self. And so for that, he sowed seed of selfishness in human hearts and the first result of the entrance of sin in the world. But they, now that sin entered the world, know it for sure. That whenever you are dealing with a person, that person is struggling with selfishness and with pride. Just know that. Whoever you are dealing with, whether they are the pastor, the priest, the president, they are also struggling with those two, two things. So the moment your pride tries to avoid their pride, they'll put you into your place. So they tell you, they'll show you his boss. So how do you live in such a world? You are a young girl. This is a young man. You are both proud and selfish. And you want to marry each other and be in love. What do you think is going to be the result? Yeah? Why is it that many of celebrities cannot live together? 
Have you noted that thing? Top celebrities cannot live. Billionaires are divorcing. Why? Pride. I have my pride. You have your pride. Fahali, oh, thank you, thank you. You know, Kiswahili, you know. Fahali wawili hawakaikwa zizi moja. Yes. Because the pride of this one and the pride of this one will allow them, will not allow them to stay together. Jogo wili, those two, nini wanaituaje, those two cocks, they cannot be cooked in the same pot. Yeah. Because of pride. But Sister White's remind us that if pride and selfishness were laid aside, five minutes would resolve the most difficulties. So even in your relationship now, for those who are going through difficulties, for those who are enjoying, for those who are trying, if pride and selfishness were laid aside, five minutes would resolve most conflicts. Five minutes is enough to solve the conflict between Ukraine and Russia. How many minutes? If they lay aside their pride. So the role of discipline. So because you are living in a world where people are both selfish and proud, you need to learn one thing. It's called discipline. How do you handle yourself in a manner that does not make you hurt others or get yourself hurt? And this can be done through discipline. Discipline is the training that corrects, molds, or perfects mental and moral character. So subject yourself to a training that corrects or perfects moral, mental characters. Yeah? You can do this through reading. Christ spent a lot of time reading and devoting himself to God by coming to church, by reading those good books. But then there's a book I'll always recommend to young people. Messages to young people. How many have read it? Messages to young people. Oh, yes. Thank you. Please, if you want to learn the discipline of life, get time and read that book. It was written for the people aged between 16 to 25. I believe you fall in that age group, yeah? Find time to read that book. Messages to young people. When you are done with that book, because most of you are threatening to date, get the second book known as Adventist Home. Read it from cover to cover. Before you make any decision, please, you'll thank me later. Two books I recommend. Messages to Young People and Adventist Home. If any man comes to asking you for a relationship, ask them, have you read those two books? If they have not, run away and avoid them like bad manners. Are you together? If any young girl is coming singing here nicely and doing, ask them, yes, you are beautiful, yes. But have you read those two books? Because the foundation those books will give you, yeah, will, will, will strengthen you. Uh, for us, as uh, with my wife, if someone comes to us to be their best couple, the first book we tell them that we'll read with them is the Adventist Home from chapter one to the last chapter. If they accept, then we'll be, we'll be ready to work with them in their marital journey. If they don't, then buy. Because we don't want to be called afterwards to, for meetings and all those crying and accusation. We don't want that. And the medicine we know is in those two books. Okay. So discipline, you get it by reading such books. So discipline cannot be acquired without deliberate effort. You cannot grow discipline by just sleeping and lying around. But, or by just doing nothing. Discipline requires what? Effort. Those who play soccer know that you have to go for training. Those who win gold medals and win marathons, they know it takes 10,000 hours running yeah, to be able to qualify. They know it takes time. Those who get first class know they wake up early, they sleep late. They know discipline, distinction requires efforts. There's no easy way out. 
There is no easy way out. Yeah. Paul says that every man, 1 Corinthians 9.25, every man that strives for mastery is temperate in all things. You must deny yourself things. Learn to bring self into subjection of the higher powers now when you are young. Now is the opportunity to learn self-control. Young people, I'm telling you that one minute of self-control will earn you 10 years of peace. It's worth 10 years of peace. Just one minute of self-control, of self-denial. But one minute of indulgence, one minute of giving in, one minute of, of, of allowing yourself to, go, to follow the mob can earn you a lifetime of misery and sorrow. Research shows that if all of us learn self-control, then 60% of us households will be empty. Because the sicknesses that make us in hospital, make us go to the hospital, are because of lack of self-control. I know there's a genetic role, but I also know there's a lifestyle component. So discipline will teach you what to eat and what not to eat. You can't be eating everything. From cockroaches to crocodiles, you, you can't be eating everything. There are some things you must stop. And when you are told here, please avoid meat. Prepare with a good medical cover because you'll need it. If you don't want health reform, get a good medical cover. That's the thing. We can't force you. Okay? Discipline will teach you what to eat. Discipline will tell you how to break up from relationships that are toxic because you are not dependent on that relationship for who you are. Your personality and individuality is anchored in go in God. What the Bible says, not on a miserable relationship you are suffering in. Discipline will help you break up. Hmm. Paul says, I keep my body and bring it into subjection. We realize before Christ started his ministry, what did he do? He fasted 40 days and 40 nights so that he could spend an entire lifetime denying the craving of the flesh. The last of the eye, the last of the flesh, and the pride of life. He had to put them where? Under. And for you to excel in the relationship, my friend, you will learn how to deny yourself. In any organization, you learn how to put others first and your second. When John the Baptist was asked about Jesus, people were telling him, you are the prophet, but another prophet has come up and people are going after him. What did John the Baptist say? I must decrease. And he must. He laid pride aside. He knew that was the victory. So, discipline will help you go through so many things in life. And when I talk of discipline, I mean self-control. You start by just stopping eating that thing that you like, whether it is cake or soda or anything that you crave about that gratifies your appetite. Deny yourself that one. For some people it is meat. For some it is kumawiki. Deny yourself that one. Go where that thing has been prepared nicely. Vizuri. Look at people eating it and say, I will not eat this today. Some it is vanilla cake. The smell calls you by name. Come. It calls you. You feel it calling you by name. Can you stand and deny yourself that thing? Some it is addiction to your mobile phone. You know, we are told that in this generation, once you graduate from a teenager, you become a screenager on the screen, on the screen. That, that's all you do. Deny yourself that so that you can get a sense of self-control. Because without self-control, no marriage can work. I promise you. It is self-control that made Jesus quiet when they were spitting on him. 
Has somebody ever spat on you? Kwanza ile sputum. Poo on you. Yet at that point you have all the powers in heaven and earth to do whatever you can do. Christ could do like this and those guys would be vaporized in a second. Vaporized. Yeah? But they could spit on him and he was quiet. They would cane him inflicting physical injury but self-control he could not answer. Why? Had Christ defended himself and defensiveness is a component of pride. See, Satan would have won. Yeah. You kicked me out of heaven because of pride. You are busy defending yourself here. Why did you kick me out of heaven? Let's all go back to heaven. Because there's no more contest. But Christ knew that and he's calling his young people to learn how to deny your craving. Yeah. So there are various disciplines of life. As you grow, you'll find the discipline of dismay. How will you handle yourself when you don't know what to do? Will you trust in God when darkness comes upon you? Will you find comfort in songs like, Be not dismayed, whatever be tied, God will take care of you. Beneath his wings of love abide, God will take care of you. God will take care of you through every day, all the way. He will take care of you. God will take care of you. I've just looked at my watch and it is four minutes past the hour. Do we continue? I still have 10 more slides to go. Do we continue? Am I stop it at that? We have to vote. Eh? All for the same opinion say aye. All for the same opinion say nay. That the nays have it. <laughs> yeah. So let me try to nene quickly. Yeah. So there are various disciplines that you'll need in life. There's the discipline of dismay. At that point, know that God will take care of you when you are dismayed. There's the discipline of darkness when we stand humanly alone, when friends forsake us. Young people, as you grow up, you'll experience darkness at some point. At that moment, may you remember the discipline of darkness, that you are not alone. God is always with you. Then you'll experience the discipline of disappointment, when your expectations have not come to pass, when you really looked forward for this job and you've not been shortlisted, when you had planned for this wedding and the guy has disappeared and he's not picking his calls anymore, and you'll be disappointed, yeah? At that point, remember that Christ has gone through that pain. He says in the book of Isaiah 63, verse 9, that in all their afflictions, I was afflicted, and I kept them like the apple of my eye. You are not alone. There will be the discipline of difficulty, when the earth will be hardening, when things are tough, when you have nowhere to turn to. Remember that God is your deliverer. Then there is the discipline of obscurity, of neglect. And these are very dis painful discipline because it goes against your pride. When people are being introduced and you, you are not. When people are being mentioned. You, if, in fact, parents are common with this thing. This is my son, you like Egerton University, you like US. You are neglected. Eh? That discipline is there. By the way, the moment you fail to be distinct, the moment you fail to do your best, the world has no place for mediocrity. It is sad, it is cruel, it is harsh, 
But you see the attention they're giving you now that you're in university. Go back home that you've tamaked five years without a job and another brother of yours is riding border border and taking money home. They will listen to that border border guy than you. I promise you. I promise you. The world is cruel. Everybody wants to associate with people who give them something. And this discipline is for you. How will you handle yourself? At that point, you'll remember the verse, wait upon the Lord and be of good courage. And I say, wait upon the Lord. And remember, what you become as you wait is more important that you would, what you become as you wait is more important than what you are waiting for. Okay? So, in the discipline of darkness, obscurity, of neglect, when nobody knows you, when nobody wants to talk about you, when nobody wants to associate with you, learn something that will make you distinct. Take that time to learn a skill. David experienced this when all his brothers, three of them are in the army. In fact, when the sons of when, when, when Jesse was told to call his sons, he did not even call David. Because he thought, now that boy with sheep, surely he can't be king. You know, Discipline of neglect. But while he was there, what was he doing? When other children were busy playing, David was learning a harp, how to play harp. And when the king of Israel needed someone to play music for him, who did they go for? That forgotten boy. So what you become as you wait is more important than what you're waiting for. Some of you will wait for a job. During that time, do something. Some of you will wait for a spouse. During that time, work on yourself that the person who will meet you will find a true jewel. Some of you will wait for a child. Prepare so that when that child comes, he has the best. The discipline of obscurity, of neglect, of delay. Yeah. But remember, my time is up, so I may not go into the discipline of distinction as we planned. But always remember that God expects us to do the best. God expects us to give him, serve him with all that we have. As long as you've worked on yourself by learning self-control, which is a lifetime work, by the way, you'll never reach a point when you've said, now I'm fully in control. It is having an attitude of humility, readiness to learn, willingness to listen to people, and the ability to put others first. Learn, it's an attitude of learning. You become a student of self-discipline, of, 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 of humility. It, it's, it's an ongoing process. But acquire that attitude now so that it will avoid your conflicts in the future. Yeah. God has called us to be a royal priesthood, a holy nation, and a peculiar people. Proverbs says that if you see a man who is diligent in his business, he'll stand before, before king. Show me a man who is diligent in his business and he shall stand before kings. So be diligent in whatever you're doing. You are, you are, you are, you've been given a chance to study here in faculty of education. If you can't get a first class, get second class upper. If you can't get second class upper, even from now you can start working on another skill that will make you distinct. Because not all of us were born for first class. Some have several other talents. Some are good personal spe public speakers. Others are good at listening. They just listen. And all of you run there so that you tell them all your secrets. They listen to you. Even if that person has a second class lower, but he is distinct in that art of listening, he will easily become a leader than you who got a first class but can't listen. Did you realize that? Yeah. It's called emotional intelligence. So God has given each and every one of us a specific area that you can be distinctive on. Get that and stand with it. Because if you don't get it, 
this world is brutal. They'll neglect you. They will ignore you. In fact, if you are poor in a family, even when you have a point, you raise up your hand. You know that's in the Bible. Proverbs, Proverbs 14 verse 20 says, the poor is hated even by his own neighbor. Your opinion does not matter. If you fail to be distinct, if you fail to work hard, even when you're already married, and then you are no longer providing, you'll see. I, unless if also God has blessed you that your wife is so saved and has learned to control themselves. But if you just married an ordinary Kenyan, you will see. You will see. Kwanza, the first person to leave the house will be the cat. There is no food. The cat will move to the neighbor. The dog, of course, will grow thin. Then your wife will start eh, talking. And then the community will start not recognizing you. Yeah? So strive for distinction when you have time now. Whatever course, whatever career, whatever talent you have, go with it. Ecclesiastes 7 verse 12 says that wisdom is defense and money is defense. But the excellency of knowledge is that wisdom gives lies to them that have it. So imagine the Bible recognizes that having money is also a defense. Did you know that? A lot of mother when you have money. One pastor used to say that when you have money, you can't speak the language of God. Let there be a house here. Yeah. Let so and so go to that school. When you have money, you can speak the language of God. And money, the Bible recognizes the defense. But you as a Christian, strive both for wisdom and for money. Because if you have wisdom but no money, God won't recognize you because you are in a selfish world. If you have money but no wisdom, you are a fool, you will perish. So strive for for the two. Thank you. So what is the uh, conclusion? Proverbs 22 verse 4 tells us that by humility and the fear of the Lord are riches and honor and life. So the best preparation for the discipline of distinction is contrition of heart. Be humble. God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. He says, I am God the high and mighty, lofty and exalted, but I live with a contrite in, in spirit in that place. So that is the summary. I have not found time now to go to the specifics of the disciplines of distinction, what it takes to stand on that summit of greatness, where God calls you to be. Because I'm seeing most of you are going to be great people. You are going to be great people. The people seated here are going to own flying cars. Yeah. The guys seated who are going to be intellectuals, who are going to make decisions for this nation. There are people seated before me here who are going to be the influencers of our generation. But when you stand there, will you know how to carry out yourself? Will you know it? We've heard of basketball players in the U.S. who moved their whole generation, but now they live in poverty. Why? Because they did not know how to handle distinction. At that moment, when you become the vice chancellor of this university, will you know how to carry yourself? Will you learn humility? Will you treat people fairly? Will you promote good networks and relationships? Or will you be on a high horse up there, high pavement and giving instruction and not relating with people anyway? So may God bless us, even as we strive for God to give us this heart of contrition, of what you call humility. But as we go, remember two things destroy relationship. One of them is, and the next one is, and how do we avoid that? Discipline. Learn discipline. 
And two books I've recommended that will give you perfect understanding of what to do. Which books are they? Adventist Oman. Today I'll not make an altar call. I just want to ask how many people pledge or promise or desire to read those two books? Because everything I've said out there, how many? To read those two books. May God see your hand as you lift it up. You may not be sure, you may be busy, you have exams, but faith is the victory. Young friends, faith is the the moment you decide to do something, there is no power in heaven and earth that can stop you. If you decided you're going to read that book and you commit and discipline yourself to read that book, wake up early or stay up late, you'll finish those books and you'll get the benefits. So may God bless us as we read those books. And for those who have accepted, please rise up as we pray for the final. Yes, yeah, shall we pray? Almighty God, you are a good God, and you always desire that your children may be drawn to you. You long for us to be in a closer relationship with you, that we may experience the joy of serving you and of loving you. Dear Jesus, we recognize that as fallen beings in a fallen world, we've entangled ourselves in selfishness and in pride that has put a barrier between us and you and between us and our brothers and sisters. Lord, with your children who are standing or who are desiring their hearts, we hand ourselves over to you, Lord. We surrender our lives to you, Lord, that your spirit may come and touch our hearts and teach us again how to be selfless, that we may be drawn to you, that we may find time to read your word and to grow in grace, Lord, that in the end you may take us to heaven to live eternally with you. Thank you so much for this church. Thank you for their time and for listening, oh Lord. May you bless them and grant them the size of their hearts. And Lord, you always desire to bless your children. You are the God that teaches us to profit, and you have better plans for us. May these plans manifest in your children here, that those who have private needs that they dare not express here, Lord, you may answer them in your time. For this is our desire and prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. May God bless you.